Coaches, the Championship Vision Podcast is so proudly welcoming the Legends at the Grove Basketball Coaches Clinic on September 12th, 2021. This clinic is one of the best you're going to find. It's a super clinic of 10 of the best high school basketball coaches in the state of Georgia. It will run from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Let's talk about the great coaches that are going to be present and speaking and sharing their wisdom at the clinic. Gene Durden, eight-time Georgia High School Girls State Championship coach from Buford High School. Kobe Durden, his son, his assistant girls basketball coach at Buford High School. Jarrett Hunsinger, 2021 Missouri 4A Girls State Championship coach. Pete Acock, legendary Georgia High School basketball coach. Hilda Hankerson, 2021 Geico Girls National High School Coach of the Year from Westlake High School in Atlanta. Jesse McMillan, the 2011-2013 Georgia High School Boys State Championship Coach from Norcross High School. Kathy Ritchie Walton, the 2008, 2009, 2010, 2012, and 2013 Georgia 4A State Championship Girls Basketball Coach. Alan Whitehart, the 2021 Georgia Boy State Championship coach and participant at the Geico National Tournament out of Milton High School. Dr. Hal Wilson, Associate Professor of Coaching Education at Georgia Southern University. Sharman White, eight times Georgia High School Boys State Championship coach, also the U16 USA basketball coach. He coaches at Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Coaches, you can buy single session um, passes for this, or you can buy both uh, <clears throat> session passes. So if you are interested in coming to the clinic, please email me, Kevin Furtado at FurtadoK57 at gmail.com. That's F-U-R-T-A-D-O. K57 at gmail.com. Or you can contact me at 478-461-4403. I will send you the easy registration link for you and your coaching staff. I have a special deal for your coaching staff. Uh, you can bring as many coaches as you want for $175. You get 10 of the best coaches in Georgia. <clears throat> For such a great price. So, hey, we love to have you. I'll be promoting this on social media. Uh, please contact me for the Legends at the Grove Basketball Coaches Clinic coming up September 12, 2021. everybody to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode 244 with Jamie Beckler. Jamie Beckler is a professional speaker, leadership coach, author, and podcast host based out of Akron, Ohio. He is also a John Maxwell certified leadership coach. Before going into full-time leadership work, Jamie served for 20 years as a college basketball coach and high school athletic director. When he left his last college to become an athletic director, he was the winningest coach in program history. His 2014 team earned the National Champions of Character Award. As an athletic director, he transformed the athletic department, instituting budgeting processes, student-athlete leadership training, and innovative marketing strategies that were featured in Athletic Management Magazine. 
He supervised the fifth largest high school gymnasium in the country and oversaw the boys basketball team winning their eighth state championship, most in Indiana history. Through his experiences as an athletic director, college coach and leadership consultant, he has created the leadershipplaybook.com, which is a membership site helping athletic departments develop better teammates, more positive leaders, and stronger cultures. Jamie also is the host of the Success is a Choice podcast, which interviews people from various walks of life and is author of three books, including The Bus Trip. He currently works with high-level organizations, teams, athletes, and coaches to help them maximize their potential in the area of leadership, culture, and teamwork. You can learn more about him by visiting jamiebeckler.com or on Twitter at Coach Beckler. Let's welcome Jamie Beckler. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, today is um, <clears throat> we have a great guest in Jamie Beckler. This is episode 244, Jamie. So I, I've been doing this a while. I know we had you on the past. I forget what episode it was, but um, welcome back to episode 244. Hey, I appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 244, that's, a, that's amazing. Great, great job. I know you're adding a lot of value to a lot of coaches and it's, it's great. You know, I wish when I coached, I wish that there were more of these uh, coaching podcasts or podcasts that, that were creeping up. But uh, yeah, these have just started up in the, like the last five or six years. You know, I, I, there weren't a lot of podcasts when I was coaching and they would have really helped me. So uh, thanks so much for what you're doing to, to help coaches. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Jamie. And, um, you know, I first want to introduce you. I want to have you introduce yourself, but I just want to say, hey, um, that you have done a great job in helping coaches. Your podcast is unbelievably awesome. I listen to it all the time. You have not only coaches, but you have a lot of people in other types of field. So Jamie is uh, the host of the Success is a Choice podcast and author of three books. We're going to dive into uh, one of his great books. I absolutely love The Bus Trip. And also he's going to go into his leadership playbook, which I'm going to steal a lot of his ideas from. But Jamie, go ahead and hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this great profession. You're a one-time a, a coach and so forth, but I want to hear, hear a little bit of your bio. Yeah, I appreciate that. We, uh, uh, you know, I coached for about 20 years. Then I went and was a, a, a high school athletic director at a school uh, in Indiana, fifth largest gym in the world. It seated over 7,000 people. And uh <laughs> You know, everybody thinks about Indiana basketball. Who's your basketball? It's, it's, such, it's such great basketball. And uh, no high school in Indiana has won more boys basketball state titles than the school I was at, Marion High School. And so it was a great honor for me to be the athletic director there and, and establish some great relationships. But, you know, I coached for about 20 years, both men and women at all the different levels. And then I was a high school AD. And so I was able to kind of see things from multiple different perspectives and have a lot of different experience. And about five years ago, I decided I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to have even a bigger platform and try to reach more people with a positive leadership or a, a, a message of they can be people of influence. They can be great teammates. They can be better leaders. And so we, uh, we jumped into it feet first and became an entrepreneur and, and, you know, started leadership coaching, started consulting, speaking, writing some books, doing the podcasts. And it's, it's been a great five years of getting to know different coaches, working with different programs from the professional level to the high school level to the college level. It doesn't matter, you know, just the great relationships. And, and it's, it's been great. And, and, you know, without going in deep of my bio, you know, if you look at my bio or you look at my resume, man, I have got some amazing things there. I've done some great things. I've also been fired and I've also had players not like me. Sure. And, you know, I, I've had, I've been involved with programs that have big budgets and, and great resources. And I've also driven 15 passenger vans after losses when you're eating sack lunches, you know, peanut butter and jelly and ham sandwiches. And so I say all that because you take just within the coaching, I was successful, but I was also unsuccessful at times. I experienced a lot. I was a high school athletic director and now I work with a lot of teams from all different levels, all different sports. And so I feel like that's been able to help me 
to then be able to help other coaches. And, and I think that's important because so many people go off a of theory or go off of the way maybe it should be, or they can't relate if they're talking to, you know, you, Kevin, they can't relate to you at the high school level because they've only been at college or, you know, uh, vice versa. And so, or you've only been a really successful coach and, you know, maybe I can't relate to you or, or whatever it is. And, and so it's been, I feel like my experience, both good and bad has really helped me out um, because I was the same way as a player too. I, I was a star at different times, but at other times, my best friend was the water cooler and the athletic trainer. So I've experienced a lot of different things, which I think has been able to help a lot of different coaches and, and athletes. Yeah. And, and, and I, I hate to say this, you're almost, I mean, I think, um, and, and my podcast is very similar. I'm really geared towards the more common coach, the journeyman coach, coaches that might not have went won state championships. I interview a lot of coaches that won state championships, but I think there's a lot of great coaches. There's genius in a lot of coaches who have not won. Don't you agree? Oh, hundred percent. And, and that's where we kind of get this misguided understanding of success. And we see, you know, whether it's going to a basketball clinic or watching a, an analyst on TV, you know, Hey, if this person's won a championship, then I'm going to listen to them more. And it's like, okay, but maybe, they had just superior talent to everybody else and they've rolled the balls out. And, and I, I'm not necessarily a believer that even if you're more talented than someone else, you're going to win a championship because championships are really hard to win, no matter how much talent you have, you know, we can look at the new Brooklyn Nets, you know, the yeah. Brooklyn Nets are a perfect example uh, or, or even, you know, the Lakers had injuries this year, but you can look at some of these super teams or, or whatever, and, and they don't always win a championship because it is stinking hard to win championships. But I like listening to these coaches. I like seeing these programs or these organizations that maybe get more out of their team than you would expect. And, and that doesn't mean they'd have no talent because you can't win if you have no talent. Sure. But I look at the Toronto Raptors a couple of years ago. Yes, they had Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, he is a game changer, a difference maker. But that was a team effort. Like they won the world championship. Yeah, because in part because of Kawhi Leonard, but they were a team and they had starters that played less minutes than a lot of other teams. So what that meant was they had a culture where everybody was in this for the championship. Everybody was in this to be the best they could be. And that the starters were okay with playing less minutes because that was going to then make the reserves more ready for when their opportunity came. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually currently in Detroit, Michigan right now. Well, the Detroit Pistons uh, won, won as a team. Not, I'm not talking the bad boys era, but the, the Rip Hamilton, the Rashid Wallace years, that was a, a team that it's hard to say, all right, they had a superstar, even though they had Chauncey Billups and, and some of these other guys, none of them were alpha superstars like a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan. And I love seeing these teams that obviously have talent, but have the intangibles and they, they, they're able to get more out of their talent and end up beating teams that maybe are a little bit more talented, at least on paper. So yeah, I love what you're doing with your podcast. Um, I, I love anytime I can listen to somebody you know, Hey, this is how they did it. And it wasn't because they had five hall of famers or five all-stars on their team. We might've had two, but we had then a collection of role players. And this is how we were able to get them to all come together to sacrifice their role for the good of the team. Yeah. I love that message. And it, it, what's funny is of course, you know, now we got, you know, the bucks and the, the Hawks playing and it's amazing. I know you've been watching the playoffs the Suns, to me, they have good talent, but they don't have great talent. And I love how a team like that, who's not surrounded by a superstar, Giannis or Kawhi, uh, I know they, I know, I know they have Chris Paul, but don't you see what they're doing? I mean, Monty Williams doing a great job with that team. I know we're kind of breaking away from the topic, but this is this is really important. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're probably dating ourselves because I might say something and people will look back and be like, well, he didn't know what he's talking about because this didn't happen. But the Phoenix, I mean, just what the Phoenix Suns have been able to do of getting this far 
to the to the the NBA championship is incredible because just a couple of years ago they were a laughing stock and and sure. to be honest I have talked to a number of Phoenix Suns and NBA insiders the last couple of years and we've talked about the dysfunction in that organization and I'll tell you what I'm not sure the organization has changed but they finally made one really smart decision and they hired Monty Williams who is an amazing leader he is a high character guy he knows how to coach but he's a great leader and so he's been able to get two guys you know two guys Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton who you know Devin Booker there's been some questions about him in the locker room at times you know in his young career very you know talented but you know is he the leader is he the guy that can that can win you a championship and, and Aiton, you know, a young guy as well. And he's been able to take those two guys and, and kind of get them on the same page as the rest of the team. And then you bring in a Chris Paul, who's definitely not the Chris Paul of old from a talent level, but what he is, is the Chris Paul of old in terms of, he is awesome for big men. Every place he's ever been, he makes big people better. Right. You know, you just think back to his whole career and he's always made big guys just a little bit better, you know, make them in the pick and roll just a little bit better, putting them in the right positions. And, you know, he's been able to do that on that team. And, and that's leadership. You know, that's leadership from Chris Paul standpoint, but leadership from a Monty Williams standpoint. And I don't think there's anybody out there. And, and you said it too, to start this, there's no, I don't think there's anybody out there that says the Phoenix Suns should be in the NBA championship because of all the talent that they have but they've been able to put all the pieces together, put this puzzle together. And, and so far it's, it's been amazing. And I, I, I've loved this NBA playoffs because it hasn't been, these are the most talented teams that money can buy winning like normal. And so I've loved that. Yeah. I'm a little disenchanted with, I hate to I mean, guys like Kawhi and so forth too, you don't know what their injuries are. I, I, I just, the, the, I think you can win without a superstar. I think that's a fallacy in the NBA. And we're finding that out. One interesting thing I want to uh, mention, I, I know you heard Monty Williams, actually, they, they were doing a uh, program on him. And he's such an interesting person that he learned so much from after getting fired from his New Orleans, being a head coach at New Orleans, that he went back and asked his players like, hey, what could I have done better? And I think that's amazing for, I don't think too many head coaches at the NBA level do that. And he learned from that. And now he's adapted it down to the sons of being more of a relational coach. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and just in general, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure that coaches in general are very coachable sometimes. You know, we want our players to be coachable, but we're not oftentimes as coachable as we would want our players to be. And so we don't, improve we don't develop we don't grow like we should and and you mentioned monty williams he's a great example or a rick carlisle when when he got fired from detroit you know he got fired from detroit and he may have even been coach of the year but he definitely had a winning record in detroit and then they brought in larry brown and they win a world championship well rick carlisle took took a year off and went around to different teams it wasn't the same exact thing as Monty Williams, but what he did was said, all right, I need to learn. I need to almost take a sabbatical and I want to become a better coach. And, and we don't see that enough. You know, a coach might go to a clinic and learn some new plays, but a coach isn't always introspective, especially after they've gotten fired. Right. And, and that is, that is huge. You know, whether you lose a game, you know, as coaches, I, I don't know how many times as a coach, we lost a game. And I probably spent more time being like, okay, I've got to recruit better players or, you know, this player screwed it up for us instead of looking at myself and being like, okay, yeah, player X screwed up, but what could I have done to put them in a better position to be more successful? You know, I, I, we see it all the time. You know, there's a lot of criticism about, let's say Ben Simmons and, and there's a, and it's legitimate. I mean, the guy is struggling to shoot the basketball. There's no question about that. But coaches, sometimes it's like, well, you know, Ben Simmons just is terrible. He's sorry. You know, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. We got to get him out or we got to. And this is probably an exaggeration because Ben Simmons is still worthy of being on the basketball court. 
but take it to your situation at high school or college. You're going to have a player that, oh, they can't dribble left. They can't go left at all. We got to get, you know, we got to get them out of the game. Well, maybe you don't put them in positions where they have to dribble too much with their left hand. Mm-hmm. Or this kid always takes three pointers and they can't shoot. Well, maybe try to get them in a position where they are not wide open for a three point shot and they get the ball in their hands. You know, maybe it's something with a Ben Simmons and I'm not going to pretend to be smarter than Doc Rivers. But if you have a player like a Ben Simmons, is there a way that you can get him involved in the game where he's not bringing the ball up, let's say, in crucial spots where teams can back off of unpack the paint? Maybe you're maybe you're using him as a screener. Maybe you're using him as a post up player. Maybe you're doing some different roles with him. And, and certainly I would know exactly because I'm not there every day in practice to know exactly what Ben Simmons could do. But you're trying to find ways to empower and make your players better all the time. And so I don't think enough of us as coaches are introspective, self-respective, self-inspective, and and see where we're falling short with our players and how we can help them to be better players. We just oftentimes, well, it is what it is. They're not very good. We got to sub. Well, the person you're subbing probably has flaws too. So how do you maximize strengths and minimize weaknesses? Yeah, I love that. I, I, I totally agree with that statement on that. I think uh, I'm guilty and many coaches are guilty on that. But um, I think there has to be a growth mindset more, probably more for the coach because you're the leader of the program. Yeah, I mean, everything starts with you and, and you're going to be the standard, show the standard, um, set the standard, whatever you want to say. But sometimes we set the standard, but we're not the standard and we don't show the standard. We don't provide an example of the standard. And, and yeah, we, we set that tone, but then we have to do it ourselves. And if, if you have two assistant coaches, three assistant coaches, even if they're part-time people, if you guys are all on the same page and your players see that you guys are just continually striving to be sponges and continually striving to be the best coaches you can be. And I'm going to listen to my players and I'm going to, you know, figure out, Hey, where do you like to catch the ball? Hey, you know, we often think, and and maybe, maybe not everybody listening to this, but this was me. All right. I've got a great shooter and we need a three and there's 10 seconds to go in the game, let's say, and we're going to run a three point play for this kid. Have I ever once really sat down and talked to this kid about how they like to catch the ball, (laughs) where they like to catch the ball, what motion do they like to catch the ball? You know, do they like pivoting to the right or the left? Do they like receiving a pass inside out? Do they like, you know, there's so many variables to this and it seems like, well, you know, that's a little bit too much, but that could be the difference between them being able to get off a wide open shot or a contested shot. And so sometimes we don't ask our players things that we just kind of take for granted. But I think almost every player, especially the good ones, they do have some preferences, you know, which foot they pivot on, how they like to come off of a screen, what kind of a screen they like to get the ball, you know, to get open before they catch the ball. Um, Do they even like a ball screen? Would they rather have a handoff, a weave type thing? Or what's the angle that they want a ball screen? All those kinds of things are you asking your player? Or are you just saying, all right, I got a great play and I've got a great shooter. Well, there's more to it than just that. And so, yeah, I think as coaches, if we can be more inquisitive and, and being more player centered from centric from that standpoint, I, I think our, our team is going to be better and, and our players are going to start to be more inspired because it's like, Hey, coach, coach is listening to me. Coaches ask me, no coach has ever asked me those kind of things before. Or no coach has ever, you know, uh, asked me, you know, how I felt when I was doing this on this play or when I was running the floor or what I saw out there or whatever it is, you know, fill in the blank. And that's going to be a great transition into talking about your bus trip. I love, first of all, I love it because I, it, it's, it happens all the time. That bus trip, it happens all the time with our players, right? Um, but before we get into that, I love your rebounding video that you, I got to tell you that I give you credit for every time our players go ahead, every time we shoot or a shot goes up, we yell rebound. I got that from you. So thank you so much. I mean, you, you go to one of our games, Jamie, and it's like, all right, 
we yell rebound, everybody else yells, you know, shot or whatever. And uh, your rebounding drills have helped my program out so much. I want to give you a little plug. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was one of the things we took. We took huge pride in our rebounding abilities. And uh, yeah, just just those little things like, you know, I mean, I don't know how many years I played basketball, but I, every coach I ever played for, and I played for some really good coaches, the shot goes up, you yell shot. Yell shot, yeah. You know, that, that's what, and, <laughs> and I, at least you're yelling something, I guess. You're in the game. But, you know, once I started getting into coaching and once rebounding started to be an important thing and I came to the realization that, you know, very, very, very few games will you ever be a coach in where more shots are made than missed. And so if the majority of shots are missed and you can control that part of the game, then you give yourself a chance to, you know, pull an upset if you're not as good or, you know, uh, you, you at least have a chance to be competitive in most games. If you can control that aspect, that's the majority of the game. And so once we started realizing that how important that was, then it was like, all right, what are the little things that we can do to gain an edge either mentally or physically? And, and yeah, yelling rebound when someone shoots it's a reminder to myself, but also a reminder to the four other teammates that I have of what we now need to do. You know, Mike Krzyzewski talks about next play, next play, next play. Well, this is our next play. Our next play is to go rebound the stinking ball. Right. You know, I don't need to tell everybody in the gym that someone just shot the ball. You know, I need to remind our team to, to go rebound. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. We, we took a lot of pride in our rebounding and, and we were very, very successful at it. Uh, I'm not sure we were successful at anything else at times, but definitely we were we were good at rebounding. Yeah, and and coaches who are listening, um, I, I, you you got to get Jamie Bepler's rebound video. Um, so I got to give you a plug. I know you're not going to give me a commission on it, but um, it's a great video. I stole so many things from it, um, and just that one steal of telling my team to uh, have them yell rebound has helped us tremendously. Just that vocal presence has really helped. So thank you, Jamie, for that. Hey, let's transition into uh, the bus trip. And we've all gone through this. We all have bus trips. We all have these scenarios. Talk a little bit about how you form this title of this book and why you wrote it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad I'm glad you like it. And uh, it was fun to write. It was it was something an idea I had for a number of years in terms of I wanted to be able to provide something to coaches that could help them. That was a tool for them, but not necessarily. All right. You read the book like you read a Mike Krzyzewski, a Coach K book or a Pat Summit book or whatever, and you become a better coach because you read this book. It was a great tool for you. I wanted it to be a great tool for a coach to be able to give to their player if they needed to. And, and that was my hope is that, all right, if I'm a coach, what would I want when I'm coaching? What did I want? And sometimes our kids grow tired of our voice. And so if I had a book or something that, that maybe could say some of the same things I was wanted to say, but it was in a different voice or a different mode of communication then, then maybe it would stick with them a little bit more. And so as I'm writing this book, that's what I have in mind is what do I need to write? What can I say that can help coaches to reach their players so that their players can be better teammates and more positive leaders? And so it, it's not based on any one bus trip. It's based on, you know, I don't know how many, you know, 10 years, 15 years of bus trips as a player Sure. You know, 20 years of, of bus trips as a coach, as an AD, and then all the experiences, even there's some experiences in that book and situations that I pulled from consulting and when I'm working with teams now. And so I wanted to put all that in a book and then I definitely wanted it to be easy to read. You know, you're if you're into the books where it takes four pages to tell you the sky is blue, then I'm not the writer for you. I say the sky is blue if the sky is blue. You're not going to get a ton of backstory. You're not going to get a ton of fluff. Um, I write with uh, a 16-year-old in mind. Um, I write to try to be simple, but to, to pack a punch, hopefully. You know, hopefully. And I, I, so I appreciate you, you liking it. I, I hope that the players like it when they read it, or at least I've gotten a lot of feedback that, you know, 
wow, it was almost like you were on our bus trip or it was almost like, wow, this actually happened to us or something similar happened to us. That's crazy that that was in that book. And so that's what I want a player to think about um, as they're reading that book is that, wow, this is real. This is relevant. Like this coach, coach finally gave us a book that actually speaks to us and is real. And that's what you want, Jamie. This is not necessarily for coaches. It's really for players more than that, right? Yeah, it's, it's a tool for coaches to reach their players and teach what, what I think we all want our players to, to do and, and be more accountable to each other, to help each other, to, to be better teammates, to be uh, more positive leaders. Yeah, and so I wrote this for coaches to use as a tool, but my primary audience was players. I wrote this for players to read and become better. And, and so I hope that, that that ends up being the case. That's, that's what I'm in this for. You know, I want coaches to be better, but the only reason I want you, Kevin, to be better as a coach is so that you can then impact and influence your kids more. Um, you know, it'd be great if you're better, but I don't want you to be better just for your sake. I want you to be better so that you can impact next generation of leaders and and especially at the high school level man what a responsibility what an exciting opportunity that you have to work with teenagers you know even though sometimes they might be punks or or you might be tired of their their parents man what a great opportunity because you know when i work with a, a professional coach let's say or a professional team you know you, you're not getting that same that same vibe they're they're already established in in some of their choices and and habits you know you're on the front lines of helping develop the next group of husbands and fathers and business people and educators in your community so that's why i want you to be better so that then you can impart that upon the kids and they can be better yes and and there's and there's a couple of topics i really want you to uh to uh talk to our listeners about and one is is our team meetings overrated? Because I really do feel like they are. I think, I think I get more out of even during a practice, taking a kid off to the side and saying, Hey, these are the, you know, and, and talking to, I coach girls and talking to her and so forth. And, uh, and also maybe in groups of two. Uh, but I do think team meetings, sometimes you think your players are listening, but they're not. Is that correct? Am I off? No, you're, you're hundred percent right. And what I would say is, is you still need to have team meetings once in a while, Sure. but especially if it's going to be anything more than very, very simple information, you almost need to have, uh, you know, that's the main course. That's the meal. You almost need to have some hors d'oeuvres or some, uh, some appetizers before that. And that's a terrible analogy, but you need to be having some one-offs where you're talking with you know, five or six of your players one-on-one before that team meeting so that there's buy-in at the team meeting even before the meeting occurs. Now, if it's just a a flat, very simple informational type meeting, then you don't need to do that. But as coaches, we tend to have way too many team meetings, way too many team meetings and not enough individual, uh, you know, uh, touches, individual uh, relationship building type things, or just, Hey, how are you doing? Or listening sessions or, or that kind of stuff with our, especially with our key players. And so, yeah, I do think we need to have meetings. I don't think we need to have as many as we do. We definitely don't need them to be as long as we do. And if you're going to have anything that's complicated or anything that's, that's kind of tough for them to understand, or maybe they're going to have a, a trouble buying in, then you need to meet with some of your key stakeholders, some of your key players before that and and just get a feel for you know maybe maybe send up a test balloon or maybe just get a couple of them on your side ahead of time so not that they can necessarily jump up and defend you in the meeting but maybe they can they can make a positive comment or an encouraging comment that then influences somebody else who's on the fence and and i'm speaking in, in generalities because there's so many different types of meetings and so many different types of topics but i do think coaching in general, you've got to develop really strong bonds with as many players as possible with your goal being your whole team. And, and you're going to be able to get your team to buy into you. The team is going to buy into you together easier 
if 15 young ladies have bought into you as opposed to you trying to sit in a meeting and get them to buy something you're selling where you haven't really connected with any of them individually or gotten any of them on your side uh, originally. And so I know I'm speaking kind of in generalities, but I do agree with you. Uh, but that individual, that individual relationship and connection is so important for, for anything what we're doing. Hey, give me an example in the book for those who haven't um, read the book, give me an example in the book where um, even the coach might be presenting something or talking to the team and the players after that, the players go back and they solve the issue, whether good or bad. Coaches, we're so excited to have Dr. Dish shooting machines, Dr. Dish basketball as our major gold sponsor of the Championship Vision podcast and the Ledges Clinic at the Grove coming up September 12, 2021. Dr. Dish Basketball is accelerating player performance with the most innovative game-like training solution available, allowing coaches and players to get better faster than ever before. By providing the most usable and advanced shooting machines, on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball has become the preferred source for basketball training with progressive coaches and players. Listeners of the podcast are eligible for exclusive discounts. Mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. And remember, the Championship Vision Podcast and Dr. Dish Basketball is supporting the Legends at the Grove Clinic September 24th, 2021 at Walnut Grove High School. Sign up now. Bad, but they make decisions. Don't you think a lot of decisions on teams are made away from the coach? Well, a lot of your culture happens away from the coach, good or bad. And I would say on most teams, to be honest, most cultures end up being bad because of those conversations and those decisions made away from the coach. Um, I think that I typically believe that every team, even Pat Summit, Tennessee, Lady Vol teams back in the day, every single team in America is going to have some kind of drama or some kind of issues. They're going to have some fires in the locker room, some metaphorical fires. And, and the best cultures are going to be those not that don't have fires, but the best cultures are going to be the ones where the coaches have kind of empowered their players and, and equipped them with fire extinguishers rather than just letting them be left to their own devices and have lighter fluid. Most teams in America are, are going to be a lighter fluid type culture in the locker room. When those little fires pop up, they're not going to put them out. They're going to actually escalate them and make them worse. And so the book, you know, the one criticism I've had of the book or, or some people haven't liked mainly, mainly, uh, well, uh, it doesn't matter who, but, but one of the criticisms is that the coach wasn't, sometimes they'll say, well, the coach wasn't a great coach. No, the coach wasn't a great coach and the coach wasn't a bad coach. The coach was very neutral. The coach had a heart. The coach wanted to do right. But then the coach also made some mistakes that most coaches will make as well. The coach is not the central figure to this book. And the coach isn't the one that figures out how they can be a better team. The coach is frustrated. The coach struggles like any other coach would in a challenging season. The players figure out how to become better, not as, all right, Kevin figures out how to make this team better or Jamie figures out how to make this team better. What the whole book is about is Kevin figures out how to help make Kevin better. Jamie figures out how to make Jamie better. Or you and I are best friends. I help you understand how you can be better, which then helps the team. So it's all these bunch of little one-on-one or, or a kind of one-on-two type conversations among friends, teammates, but friends about how they can become better not to get the whole team to be better, but how can I make myself better, a better teammate, a better leader, so that then I can make the team better eventually and ultimately. Because that's what it is. It's not, 
you have rare, you've probably had some good leaders as a coach, but you've probably rarely had the Michael Jordan, the Derek Jeter, the Tim Tebow-esque leader that when that player speaks, every single player is on the edge of their seat. They buy in and then they all, you know, rush into battle just like it's some Hollywood action movie. Most of the time, you know, even the best leaders will say something. And, you know, you'll have a few players not listening or rolling their eyes and a couple players will buy in. The leadership that happens on teams, the good leadership happens between good friends reminding each other and helping each other to be the best versions of themselves, to be the best that they can be so that they can then make other teammates better, ultimately making your team better. And so, you know, in the book, there's a locker room situation, let's say. Um, uh, or I'll, I'll give you the one that comes to mind actually first. There's a, a situation where there's a parent involved. The parent doesn't agree with what the coach is doing to his son, thinks that the son is getting, you know, uh, the shaft, the son's not getting a fair deal. He confronts the, the coach. Well, afterwards on the bus, this player talks to one of his best friends on the bus and the best friend kind of is like, you know, hey man, you know, did you tell your dad? that you had this attitude the other day in practice or in the game. He's like, no, you know, the typical stuff, you know, of we're never truly honest with our parents. Right. Well, his best friend kind of called him out a little bit is like, you know, he kind of hung out coach out to dry a little bit, you know, maybe coach isn't playing you as much as he should, but you really weren't honest with your dad. And so your dad overreacted that kind of stuff. So we have a lot of that, but none of that stuff in the book, you know, if Kevin and Jamie don't like each other, then Jamie's not going to listen to Kevin. So every conversation and situation is where the people are friends. And that's when you can hold each other accountable or remind each other of the standards on the team is when you're friends. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but let, I, I really want us to jump into your leadership playbook. And I do have a question for you, Jamie. Let's take that for an example. I really believe in what I call accountability partners. And that is you have a partner on your team. You are responsible for each other. Um, but you're saying it's better. Let's say they're not friends. Can that be a good situation there? Or you try to match up people? How would you, how would you conduct that? Yeah, I would never, uh, I shouldn't say never. I would rarely force feed two people to be accountability partners or hold each other accountable. Um, only because I think it's real. I think we as coaches, and I, I was guilty of this too, especially early in my career. I think we put way too much pressure and way too much of a load on teenagers or young adult shoulders to be policemen or to be like a coach. Right. And one is if we're going to do that, then we really have to go all in with the training of our players on how to do that. And most of us don't have the time or energy to go all in on that. And so we really kind of hang our kids out to dry and we don't equip them properly. Um, I would start with the lowest hanging fruit. And with that meaning, start with friends and friends. Start with friends. Hey, you know, Kevin, I don't need you to lead all 15 players. I just need you to lead your two best friends on this team. They, if you say you're going to the gym, if you say you're going to the weight room, then those two guys need to be going with you as well. You know, I don't need you to lead 15, just lead the two people that you're closest to. And then, you know, you go talk to somebody else, have the same conversation. And it might just be one friend, you know, for some people, but one or two friends, that's all you have to do. And you start off small like that. And then as your program develops more and more, then you can maybe expand it out a little bit more. But once you get that, where you have different pockets of kids all doing what they're supposed to do and all leading, you know, two or three other people. Now all of a sudden you're going to start to see your culture explode in a good way. It's going to be much, much better. And your job as a coach is going to be easier because you're not going to have to be the policeman, the show, you know, the chaperone 24 seven everywhere. You know, now all of a sudden when there's four kids in the back of the bus or there's four kids in the dining hall or there's four kids in the locker room by themselves and there's no captain and no coach, they can lead themselves the right way. They can influence themselves positively because you've, you've established that environment, that atmosphere of that. 
but also you've trained them a little bit. You've empowered them. You've equipped them to be better leaders, no matter if they're a freshman that doesn't play much or they're a senior captain. Um, but you're starting off with the lowest hanging fruit, not trying to force it. I wouldn't do stuff like uh, you go out to eat, let's say you're going to Chick-fil-A and all right, uh, you've got to sit with two people that you're not friends with and eat. I, I wouldn't force that because I think it's hard enough to be a leader when you're 16 year old and you're talking to your two best friends. That's hard enough. Um, they need to perfect that, so to speak. They need to be really good at that before they can even think about leading somebody that maybe they're not friends with or don't run in the same circles. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I, tell, tell me if I'm, I'm kind of looking in, in the same direction that you're thinking a little bit. Um, it's really about decision-making. I, I mean, it's that to me, that's an under, under taught part of coaching is making good decisions off the court and on the court. Because I, I think a lot of players don't make good decisions off, on the court. And I think that's a huge problem, but I think it kind of stems from really not making good decisions off the court. What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, you know, I think we have habits um, and we develop habits and, you know, I was just listening to an interview with PJ Fleck, the football coach at Minnesota. Row the boat. And yeah. Row the boat. And he likes to say too, is how we do anything is how we do everything. Mm -hmm. Now you can shoot holes in that. Like it's not a hundred percent across the board because we've all, all known, we can all think to our, our, our basketball career and think about that one player that was always late or didn't take school seriously, got in trouble, but they were like all state or all conference, you know, and they were the hardest worker on the court. You know, we all can think of that exception, but the general rule, the majority of people that we're going to deal with, how they do anything is how they do everything. And so if you're making poor decisions off the court, you're probably eventually going to make poor decisions on the court as well. Um, and so I, I, I see it as holistic. I don't see it as, all right, who Kevin is off the court is different than who he is on the court. Mm -hmm. Other than, you know, you know, if, if you're coaching a football team and you got some dude that's just absolutely a killer out there, you know, on the football field, they might be the meekest, mildest mannered kid that you meet, you know, from a, from a violence standpoint, that might be the case. But, but from an attitude standpoint, from a mentality standpoint, a focus standpoint, I really do think your decision-making off the court is going to oftentimes mirror your decision-making on the court as well. Uh, with your habits, with your mentality? Are you quick to get upset at authority? Are you quick to make excuses? All these kinds of things are pro things that hold our teams back, you know, not taking responsibility for our actions. There's very rarely, very rarely is there a kid who, when they get a bad grade in class and they blame the teacher and they're making sure their parents come in and try to get that grade changed, very rarely is that kid going to then accept responsibility on the basketball court when they screw up. Oh, yeah, that was my fault. That was my fault. Oh, yeah, the referee made that call, but it was my fault. You know, hey, yeah, the referee made a bad call about, about that foul, but if I had actually blocked out on that rebound, I wouldn't have given up the offensive rebound and then had, you know, put the referee in a position to make a bad call you know, the kids aren't going to say that they're not going to take responsibility on the court if they're not taking responsibility off the court. So I do think it, it lines up uh, more times than not. That's a great point. I, I want to go right into your leadership playbook, and I, which I think is awesome. Um, and I, I'm actually looking for a great uh, leadership book for my team this year, Jamie, and I'm really looking hard in your playbook. And I've really studied it. I, one, one important point that you have is not only can we all be verbal leaders, but we all should be verbal leaders. That's not we. That's, that's not being taught a lot because then we, you know, the quiet person like a Kawhi Leonard. The biggest criticism with Kawhi Leonard is he doesn't talk, and people say, "Well, that's okay. He just plays hard." No, he should be more of a verbal leader. Can you get into that and also your leadership playbook? How can we use it? Yeah, I appreciate that. I am. I am a hundred percent. A believer in, and I'm in the minority about this. I'm a hundred percent in the minority. I'm a hundred percent believer that as a coach, you should be teaching all of your players that they can be verbal leaders unless they don't have a tongue. If they literally can't speak, then they can't be a verbal leader. 
Otherwise, every single player on your team could be a verbal leader. And this helps your culture. This helps move you forward. Now, here's what I mean by this. When we talk about verbal leadership, almost always you think about the Hollywood, you know, Mel Gibson, Braveheart on a horse and a thousand people follow him into battle or the Tim Tebow's. That's what we think of about verbal leadership or somebody really just getting in someone's face. There's three ways you can be a verbal leader. And, and I believe this wholeheartedly. Three ways anybody can be a verbal leader. Number one, you can inform. You can inform. Hey, Kevin, we're gonna, coach said we're going to meet in the locker room instead of the weight room. So I just wanted to make sure that you knew that. Did, you know, we're going to meet in the locker room instead of the weight room. That doesn't seem like much, but I'm verbally leading you, Kevin, or helping move you in the direction you need to go. I'm, I'm helping lead you forward on the team so that you don't show up late because you went to the wrong place. Anybody can inform. Secondly, anybody can encourage. Hey, Kevin, come on, come on. You can do this, man. You can do this or however you want to encourage. You can encourage your teammates and move them forward, whether it's getting through sprints, whether it's just encouraging them to, to you know, stand up on the bench when a player comes off and you're high-fiving them. Whatever it is, everybody can encourage. And the final thing is everybody can remind. Everybody can serve, can remind teammates. They can remind them of goals that they have. Hey, Kevin, remember when you said in that meeting that, that you just want, all you want to do this year is win a championship. Man, that's awesome. I, I, I just wanted to let you know, that was awesome. That really inspired me. I'm glad you said that. And I see every day how you're working hard toward that. Not to be all conference. But to be, but to be a leader on our team and help us win a championship or whatever. You're reminding people of standards. You're reminding people of what their goals are. And once again, that's oftentimes going to be people that you have a good relationship with. Uh, it's a, it's a better way of saying hold people accountable because I think holding people accountable that gets such a that's such an intimidating phrase for a teenager. Reminding your friends of what their goals are is not as intimidating. So those are the three things: inform encourage and remind and every player on your team can do those things and then your team will will by leaps and bounds have a better culture just if all your players are doing those things yes and i love that and, and i have to say that uh we at walnut grove really try to encourage that all those things those three things in every one of our practices but we always fall a little bit short it's hard to be perfect on that hey don't you agree that reminders I think a lot of times, like in a particular, let's say we're running a drill, Jamie, and something goes wrong. Hey, did we remind the team ahead of time? Why are we reminding afterwards? Reminders should be before things happen, correct? Yeah, you can, I would do it. You can do it certainly both, both ends, but yeah, remind people ahead of time. Uh, but, but don't, you know, don't throw out 12 different reminders. Right. You know, uh, what's most important and, and boil it down, you know, keep it simple, stupid, the kiss method. And this could even go for, for, uh, you know, you huddle up at the end of practice and they've got to turn in a permission slip or they're going to have to do something. And you, you want to give them a reminder too many coaches tell their players 12 different things in that huddle after they've just ran 10 line drills they're dead tired, or maybe they just yelled at the team or the practice ended bad. And now all of a sudden you're expecting them to remember 12 different things you just said. So yeah, you want to be able to remind them, but make sure you're reminding them very simplistically and something sure. that they're going to understand, uh, be a good communicator as a coach, but reminders, yeah, remind them when they leave that huddle, just even in a game, a timeout huddle, remind them of something really quick that they need to know um, that, you know, don't just assume because our brains as 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old, 60 year old coaches are more developed than their teenage brains. We assume way too much as coaches sometimes. So keep it very simple with your reminders. But yeah, definitely remind them ahead of time. Don't be a, I gotcha coach. Don't be a gotcha. You know, uh, oh yeah, I got you now. You didn't remember. Well, you didn't help them. Be a coach that's always trying to lift up your players, enable them to be better to empower them to be better yeah and i love that and i i um i want to kind of add into that real quick before you go here is I, I love the i believe in the one theory i think you give kids one thing at a time and i believe in the seven second theory where if it takes longer than seven seconds you've you said too much 
is uh, I mean, what, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah, that that's that. I don't know about the seven second thing, but uh, uh, um, especially especially you know down some some coaches down there in the south, you know, seven seconds might be a you know they talk slow. There's certain <laughs> coaches that talk, yeah. you know, some of the good southern yeah. good old boys. You know, you might have to increase it to fourteen seconds. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, I, I love I love that concept. I I love you know keeping it very simple giving them one thing to remember and, and saying it quickly, you know, and that's where as a coach, you have to be more prepared. You have to be ready. You have to be on the ball with what you're going to say. You have to figure out how can I communicate this best to these 16 year olds, you know, quit saying to your assistant coaches every day after practice, they're idiots. They're idiots. They're stupid. This dumbest team I've ever coached. Well, then you're the dumbest coach. You're an idiot as a coach. I mean, I I hate to say those words and be that harsh, but quit putting it on your kids. You be better, be better as a coach so that they can be better. Spend a little extra time figuring out how to be more concise with what you're saying or how to take out some of the confusion. Uh, We do this as coaches because we have so much stuff in our minds, so much stuff in our minds and and sometimes that information, it's information overload, and our kids aren't ready to hear all the stuff that's in our brains. But we've got to take something that might have taken us two hours to figure out. We've got to condense it down into seven seconds sometimes. And that's hard. But you know what? Coaching's not easy or anyone could do it. You know, and it's we have a great opportunity. We need to be better as coaches so that our kids can be better. And, you know, that's that's the main reason I did the leadershipplaybook.com. You know, I wrote the book, the leadership playbook, but then we put it in an online format. It's two minute, hundreds of two minute video lessons. So your kids can watch it on their phones or tablets. They can get instruction and, and uh, lessons from me on how to be a better leader, how to be a better teammate, uh, how they can be people of character, all those things that you want out of them, how they can be a better verbal leader and a better captain. There's all kinds of different lessons, hundreds of different lessons, two minutes at a time. And so what we wanted is a tool. Once again, how can we help coaches to not only become better, but to make their their athletes better as well? Yeah. I want you to go right into that. How, first of all, why should a coach like myself get, uh, get this for their team and talk a little bit about affordability for programs, kind of really sell us on the leadership playbook. I have, matter of fact, I'm looking at the website right here. Matter of fact, Jamie. Yeah. A couple things. One is uh, if you like my stuff and not everybody likes my stuff, you know, there's, there's other people out there that are doing great stuff, but if you're a fan of my stuff, then this is me. You're getting me. Um, You're not getting my team you know, you're not getting someone else teaching my stuff. Uh, you're getting me and I'm invested in this. You're also, so your kids are hearing from me. You're hearing from me because there's coaches lessons as well. You also have access to me. So, so Kevin, you can call me up anytime, text me anytime. I'm your leadership coach. So you pay this membership fee and you get me as your leadership coach. So you need a fresh set of eyes on something you need to bounce something off of me, man. You know, I tried this with our team. It's worked in the past. It didn't work with this team. You know, what, what's your ideas, man, call me up. Let's talk. Um, I'm here for you. So you get me. Uh, if you don't like me, if, if you've listened this far, but didn't like this interview, then you probably don't need to be a member, you know, because you won't like this stuff because this stuff is me. Um, I try to put stuff out there to help you guys be better leaders. So it's, it's two minute video lessons tons of different resources, documents, things to help you as well. There's little posters that you can print off or have printed and put them in your lockers, put them in your locker room, in your office. We have all different kinds of stuff. You get access to me. You also get a virtual presentation. So if you're, if you're a member, you'll get me doing a virtual presentation to your team one time during the year for free, or that's included. So let's say you want a preseason one to get them going. Maybe they're, you're, uh, you know, trudging along it's it's kind of getting slow during the season you could have me there or you want to just get them fired up for the playoffs well then maybe that's when we have a presentation but you get a, a presentation from me 
And uh, my business manager thinks I sell this too cheap, AKA my wife. My wife does not like my price point whatsoever. We try to keep it very, very uh, inexpensive. Right now it's $2.99 for a team for the whole year to get all this. If uh, Kevin, you were like, hey, how much would it be to do a virtual presentation? I want you to speak to my team. That would be $350. So for $299, you get all this plus a virtual presentation. So you actually get a, a, a cheaper deal, but you get this for $299 right now. That's the price. And if you want to do it for a whole athletic department, it's even better. It's it, I think the price is $599 right now currently. Um, so for $599 and you have 20 teams in your athletic department, every single coach, every single athlete could have access to this for 600 bucks. So if you have 600 athletes for $1 per athlete for a year, they get, they get access to all this stuff and your coaches get access to me. I absolutely love this. And I, I, I do agree. What I love about it is, is the daily videos. That's one thing I really believe in Jamie. I, uh, at the beginning of every practice, we have a particular topic. Uh, I call it my uh, leadership Academy. And then we show a quick video and that's kind of our lesson for today. And we carry it over to the court, that, that lesson. Um, that's the same thing what you're talking about here. But I would love to have a person like you kind of examining me, kind of saying, all right, that's good. Maybe you need to work on this. That's, that's the purpose of this, right? Yeah, 100%. This is, this is I want to help as many teams as possible. And I can't possibly be in California one day, be in Georgia the next day, then be in Montana the next day and Hawaii the next day. Um, and even if I was able, had my private jet and could do that, I'm only affecting one team at a time. You know, this way, every team in the country that wants to can have access to me. I can, we can talk on the phone or a Zoom session much easier. Um, we can work with your team or your team can get leadership training, uh, teamwork training, become better teammates, using our stuff, um, but I don't have to be there in person. And so more teams can, can do it. And so, yeah, hey, if, if you need help with a certain thing, call me up. I mean, I don't know how many people we've talked to here in the last month about just captains or at the college level. I'm talking about name, like, name image likeness, the NIL, uh, or we're even talking about recruiting at the college level. Whatever it is that can help your program, uh, I want to be there to help them help you and, and if it's hey i got the i got this this rebounding drill well that's not necessarily leadership but let's talk about it i want to help your program out so you essentially get me access to me and and my brain now that might be a bad thing if you don't like my brain but uh, that's that's what we're offering and and we've been excited about it um we think it's been it's good we rolled it out january 1st and a soft launch and uh, so uh, it's, it's been going on for a few months now, and we've been pleased with it so far. And, you, and you, we also do a leadership assessment. So your kids do this whole leadership assessment. You get access to that so you can understand better what makes your athletes tick as well. Jamie, I love that. And actually, I'm hosting a coaches clinic coming up uh, September 12th. And um, I really want to really have your material. I, we can talk later about that. I really want to have your materials there as a resource for the coaches. It's going to be, I have 10 of the best Georgia high school basketball coaches coming in to speak on September 12th. We can talk about that later. So I think this is undervalued. I think most coaches feel like they need to go, you know, motion offense, dribble drive offense, press defense. To me, this is undervalued. And that's why I think you have a valuable resource. I appreciate it. And, it, and it's easy. You know, if, if you want to do the two minute videos, if you want to do one a day, it's still not a lot of time. If you want to do one a week, you can do that too. If you want to have your captains go through this stuff first and then bring your whole team in, you can do that. You can customize it. We have recommendations, but it's very flexible. If, if you want to hop around, there's like 10 chapters or 10 topics. If you want to do the third topic first, you can do that as well. You know, uh, it, it's very, very flexible and it's very quick. You know, these aren't 30 minute lessons. They're very quick. And we also, every single lesson we have, uh, we, we also have discussion questions. So we have five, six or seven discussion questions for every single lesson. So especially for, let's say you're a new coach, 
you know, you don't have to recreate, you don't have to create the wheel. You don't have to come up with a discuss, lead a discussion, you know, uh, starting from zero. We provide you the questions even that, that you can use for discussion. So we think that that's something, and that was from our focus group. We had a group of coaches in our focus group and we didn't have that originally. And that was something that we found that, you know, that would be helpful for coaches because there are some new coaches. There are some coaches that haven't been doing this for 25 years and it's natural for them to be able to lead a discussion or take any topic and come up with questions. And so we said, you know what, we'll do the hard work. We'll put that together, these discussion questions for you. So that came out of a focus group back in December and we, we made sure we got that done for the, for the soft launch. So we try to, we try to keep making it better as we go. Yeah, I'm really impressed with it. I, and, and Jamie, before you go, talk about not only you have the playbook, you have the bus trip. Man, you got some great materials on, uh, on your website. Uh, kind of talk about that before you go and talk about how people can get a hold of you. I'm looking right now at the Building Champions. Uh, uh, also, I would love to read that book as well. Talk about all the resources you have. Yeah, Building Champions was my second book, actually. Um, the Leadership Playbook, then the Building Champions, and then uh, the Bus Trip. And then I have uh, five or six ebooks. So they're on different topics, you know, uh, motivating, motiv uh, motivating employees or, or uh, you know, inspiring students. There's a number of different ebooks there, but those are all at jamiebeckler.com. And uh, you can also find a lot of that stuff if, if you're on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time on social media, at least. And, and that's at Coach Beckler, at Coach Beckler on Twitter. And, and they, you, can, you can see our podcast as well. We, we try to drop a lot of helpful stuff in our podcast. And have very, we have different things, different people we interview. Uh, some of it's basketball or sports related. Some of it's not. Some of it's quick, quick hitters. Some of it's long form type interviews or, or we have a we have a, a weekly live stream or a weekly live show that we do um, that that's fun to do as well. So there's a lot of things that we're doing. And most of that can be found at Coach Beckler on Twitter or jamiebeckler.com. Yeah, great resources, coaches. Please go to his website. I actually have two of them. I have uh, talking about practice and the championship rebound. All you got to do is click on the on the site here, you can get access to all of his great resources. Hey, Jamie, I hope you have a great time at the golf tournament out there. I'm really jealous that you're going to be out there, but um, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, make me a better coach. Oh, thank uh, Honor was all mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show. And uh, yeah, my son wants to say bye. He's in the car with me. <laughs> all right. What's his name? Jalen. Jalen is 11 years old. Jalen's 11 years old. He's not a basketball player, but he's a gamer. So he's one day he's going to be a world champion in esports or Fortnite or something. There's no doubt he could definitely make a career out of that. So hey, hey, nice, hey, nice meeting you, Jalen. Hey, take care of your dad now. You <laughs> All right, thank you, Coach. I appreciate appreciate you letting me be on the show. All right, Jamie, thank you so much. Take care, man. All right, buddy. I'll see you. See you. All right, take care. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer.